2: November twentieth, twenty seventeen, college football show, a road of his radio podcast. I am Kyle Pollock on Twitter at Kyle Pollock FF, and joining me is my co host Jordan Hoover on Twitter at J Hoover nine seven eight seven. Jordan, how you doing tonight?
1: Good, Kyle. Um, had a pretty busy weekend. I had to go car shopping on Saturday because my old reliable vehicle decided to stop being reliable and just ended up being old. So, uh, spent most of the day Saturday finding a new vehicle. So I missed. Missed a lot of football on Saturday, and um, today, actually, I kind of took off from NFL as well and went for a nice long hike in the morning, uh, checked out a brewery pretty close to my house, so it's been a pretty uh, eventful weekend. Not a whole lot of football involved, but uh, we have some some good info to cover for this week's slate of games, and uh, it was a little bit bare, I guess you could say, compared to other weekends, but that will change pretty quickly because we have a pretty stacked weekend coming up.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like you said, uh, this weekend wasn't too uh, exciting. No upsets or anything of that nature. A couple close contests. Uh, but ultimately, the higher-ranked team came out on top in uh, every case. Um, first game we're going to talk about was probably looking like the biggest upset of the weekend to start. Um, Miami knocked off Virginia 44-28. to uh, they had scored 13 points in the first fourth quarter to uh, come back. They were down 28-14 to 14 at one point, I believe. Um, this was a a pretty exciting game to watch. Um, I, I caught most of the first half. Um, Virginia look, looked pretty good on offense. Um, they had a couple of long touchdowns. Um, I, I was pretty impressed with them. They're a bowl-eligible team. Brockwood Mendenhall has kind of been able to turn them around a little bit, which is good to see. Um, with Miami, this was kind of... You know the team we've grown accustomed to seeing. Um, they're the cardiac kids, so to speak. They always find a way to pull it out. Um, they don't, might not always look impressive doing it, but uh, they, they do find a way. Um, for Miami, I guess Travis Homer was probably the most impressive of the bunch. Uh, he had seventeen carries, ninety six yards, and a touchdown. Um, Lawrence Cager, a guy I've uh, talked talked about briefly, uh, had a nine yard touchdown, which uh, I saw was I was pretty impressed with. Glad to see him get a touchdown. Um, other than that. Not a whole lot to take away from me uh, for this game. Other than that, uh, Miami was really able to hang on, which is um, you know what they've been able to do all year. So as long as they can keep pulling them out, um, I, I think they'll be in the playoff as long as they win out. And you know, depending on what happens in the ACC championship game, if they lose a, a close game to Clemson, there's still a good chance they can make it with a 12-1 and record, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, Miami's in a good spot. Like you said, they, they kind of had to turn it on late in this game, um, just checking the, the scoring summary. Uh, They scored the final 30 points of the game. Uh, So outscored Virginia 30 to nothing in the second half. So, I mean, you can see, um, and one of those, I think, was on an interception uh, return for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But you can see that Miami can turn it when they need to. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, perhaps putting together a full, complete game against a team that might be better than Virginia. Not taking anything away from Miami, because you have to win the games that are in front of you. They're not always going to be easy. Um, and they did what they needed to do to get this win. I thought that Kurt Benkert was probably the best player on the field, Virginia's quarterback. Um, he threw for 384 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, completed 75% of his throws against a Miami defense that, you know, they're no pushovers. So that was really impressive. Um, I don't necessarily think he's a guy that is quote-unquote NFL material. Um, he transferred in from East Carolina in after the 2015 season um is just a 58.6 percent career completion guy um in 25 games so uh not necessarily a guy for NFL but I just wanted to mention because that's a that's a really nice game against probably the best defense that he's going to see all year uh so I just wanted to give him a quick shout out too
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and I think uh like I kind of said this Virginia program has really kind of turned things around if they can pick up the recruiting a little bit uh in the state of Virginia, I think they're certainly a team that can kind of function as a middle tier ACC team, kind of similar to somebody like NC State in the next couple of years, which would, which would be good to see, um, kind of just adding some more competition in the conference. Um, the only, actually, the only ranked matchup of the day um, was uh, Wisconsin versus Michigan. Wisconsin rolled twenty four to ten. Uh, game kind of turned. It was ten ten, I believe, when uh, Brandon Peters got hurt for. Uh, Michigan, well, wasn't a good-looking injury for him. He uh, was down on the field for quite a few minutes. Um, John O'Corn came in and did some John O'Corn things. He was 2 for 8 for 19 yards. Um, Other than that, um, Jonathan Taylor also had a nice game, as we've been saying every week. Had 132 yards, no touchdown, but Michigan has a a very good defense. So, you know, still an impressive game for him. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones had the best game of his young career so far, which is good to see. He's somebody who I love. Um, he had four catches for sixty-four yards. Um, for those of you that don't know, Peoples Jones was uh the, I believe he was the number one receiver last year in his class. He uh, was also the spark rating champion for his class, so uh, the most athletic player in his class. Um, with uh, you know, as long as the quarterback position can kind of develop at Michigan, I think that combination of him and uh, Tariq Black. Who's out for the year, but who's playing really well at the beginning of the season, is a, a deadly combination for them. Kind of similar to something that uh, like Ole Miss has with A.J. Brown and DK Metcalf right now, kind of coming up together. Um, I kind of see those two together. Um, one thing that changed for Michigan this game was the distribution of carries. Uh, Chris Evans got the majority of the work. Um, I know we had talked about last week, Karan Higdon had kind of been getting the lion's share of the load. Not sure if uh, he got hurt this game. I, I only caught, I kind of had on that uh, Miami game. I didn't catch a lot of this game because it was bo- uh, kind of boring to watch. But um, uh, Chris Evans ha- has produced before for them. He As a true freshman last year, he had 600 yards uh, this year. He's probably going to finish with just over 700. He's at 600 right now. So he's been productive his first two seasons. Somebody who I think if he could get a little more work next year um, might have a chance to be an NFL guy uh, if he has two productive seasons after this year. But um, you know, just kind of a name to remember. Um, Wisconsin now has two actually three pretty solid wins with uh wins over with Michigan Iowa and Northwestern so kind of continuing to bolster that resume I think if they're you know undefeated it's almost a lock that they're in now I know we kind of talked a couple weeks ago about how it would be iffy, but I think the way with things played out that they're probably a lock would you agree with that they go undefeated
1: yeah I think so and I'm glad you brought that up because we we did talk about pretty extensively I think that was two weeks ago um just about Wisconsin's schedule, how it shakes out, how it could be improving. And I think that's exactly what we've seen. Um, I think it just turned out that their schedule was extremely backloaded, uh, you know, to, to the to the nth degree. Um, but they're winning the games now, the tougher games that they have on their schedule. They, you know, it's really a shame that Brandon Peters went down. I mean, looking at his stat line, he wasn't... He didn't have a great game before he went out, but you you uh highlighted what John O'Corn did when he was under center, which was uh I don't even know the the right word for it, beyond Atrocious. Not high not highlights. Yeah, no, no. Um so that really bodes pretty poorly for Michigan. Uh, uh, assuming Peters I, I don't know if he's necessarily ruled out yet for next week. Um for this week against Ohio State, but you know, if it's John O'Corn under center, uh It could get ugly. Um, You know, I I think that Peters kind of gave them a bit of a spark on offense when he was in. And if he can't go, I have a feeling that Michigan's offense might regress back to the sort of, you know, slog pace that we saw for, you know, the the weeks that he was under center. Um, But back to Wisconsin, I mean, I agree with you. I think that if they went out, if they win the Big Ten, um, they're going to be in the top four. Uh, I, I really don't see a way that you can hold them out. So it's really just kind of, it, you know, it's, it's always been, it, it's always been in front of them to, to take and run with. And, and that's what they've done so far. And I think that we, you and I probably, and, you know, a lot of other people have kind of doubted them, uh, throughout the season talking about their strength of schedule. But if, you know, if they beat the teams here at the end, they keep rolling. Um,
2: I really don't see any reason why they should be held on playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, the team, one of the teams I actually picked to make the playoff before the season started, uh, ended up losing their game this weekend, kind of eliminated them from, uh, big 12 contention, uh, Kansas state, uh, knocked off Oklahoma state, 45 to 40, Oklahoma state, uh, had a big comeback on their hands. They were, they were down, uh, I don't remember the exact score. I think they were down by about 24 at one point. Um, it came back, uh, came up just a little bit short. Not to the fault of James Washington, our guy still did work. Uh, Eight catches, 159 yards, two Mm -hmm. touchdowns. Just continued to do his thing. Same thing with Justice Hill, Uh, 23 carries, 91 yards, and one touchdown. I want to touch on uh, Byron Pringle though for Kansas State. Um, He's a wide receiver for them. Um, He's been putting uh, he put up big numbers this week. Four catches, 166 yards, three touchdowns. But he's been uh, putting up big numbers all year as well. He has a uh, 0.41 Dominator rating this year. Um, along with a uh, 25 yards per catch. So, someone who I think is uh, being a little underrated right now. He is uh, 24 years old. So, a little, uh, a little bit on the older side as a junior. So, that means he'd probably be 25 or so coming into the NFL. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> old guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the whole backstory there. Um, he, he did play last year for them. I, I had heard the name before. Um, not totally sure if he came over from junior college, what happened with that but um, 6'2", 205 with a, a high dominant earring, high yards per catch. You should be doing that at 24 years old, granted, but um, it is impressive nonetheless. I don't know if he has NFL potential now, looking that he's 24 years old, but um, I, I still think he's a name to kind of remember, at least in terms of you know, uh, college fantasy or something of that nature for next year because um, I'm assuming he won't declare um, after this year, considering he only has uh, a little over 700 yards right now. But still uh, some, somebody who's been pretty impressive this year that I just kind of want to give a shout-out to. Um, other than that, not a lot to take away from this game. Um, other than that, Oklahoma State was eliminated uh, uh, from Big 12 uh, title contention for me.
1: Yeah, and really quickly, back to Byron Pringle. I'm glad you brought him up, too. I mean, he's, he was obviously the statistical standout in this game, but he also uh, ran a kick return back for a touchdown. And that's his second um, in 26, or excuse me, 23 career games. So it it looks like he has a little bit of juice in the return game too, which is always a bonus um, when we're talking about NFL potential. Uh, But like you said, the age, um, you know, I know that we tend to value age pretty heavily. I don't know necessarily, I mean, NFL teams definitely take age into consideration, but I sometimes wonder if we obsess about it a little bit more than they do. Um, that's kind of a, that's like a meta conversation that we probably don't have time for, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely worth touching on him. He had a huge game uh, and it's good to see him, you know, getting involved in the kick return game as well. Uh, it's always good to see. And like you said, James Washington, rinse, repeat, same thing. Um, Justice Hill, like you said, again, rinse, repeat. Um, Mason Rudolph kind of struggled a bit in this game. Uh, he threw two interceptions, went over 400 yards, but uh Sort of that decision-making process, I guess. And Skylar Thompson, Kansas State's quarterback, went pretty bonkers. He he threw three touchdowns uh, on 13 attempts, uh, over 20 adjusted yards per attempt. So that was a pretty insanely efficient game from him. Um, yeah, and and you know we've been talking week after week about the top of the Big 12 and how we thought that they would kind of cannibalize each other, and turns out. Uh, a mid-tier team kind of took Oklahoma State's legs out, which, you know, I don't know if we necessarily saw that coming. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, Oklahoma State is, you know, they're still a good team, but I think that they've kind of fallen a little bit short of expectations. You know, you and I both love their offense from, from the get-go preseason. We're talking about them, and they've come through, but, you know, the defense has kind of lagged back and kind of kept them from that elite tier that I think that we both
2: thought that they had a
1: chance to reach. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just kind of a, a question in general for you. Do you think uh, Oklahoma is really the only team with a, a shot to make the playoff in the Big 12? Do you think TCU can find a way to sneak in there? Or, or do you think it's really just kind of Oklahoma or boss for the conference? Uh,
1: I mean, my gut kind of says that it's only Oklahoma. What So TCU, trying to find their schedule.
2: They're 9-2 and two so they, with losses to yeah. uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State, I believe. And
1: they just beat Tech, Texas Tech this week. 27
2: to 3 on the road. Didn't have didn't have Kenny Hill this week, Kenny <laughs> Hill.
1: So, so, so they finish, they close out with Baylor on Friday, which I mean I, I'm assuming they should win that game against Baylor at home. So then they would finish 10 and 2. I mean so so it's gonna be so it's safe to assume that it's gonna be TC Oklahoma in the championship game, correct? In the Big Twelve? Is that right?
2: Yeah, the only situation that's possible is Iowa State has a very far outside chance. Uh, Kansas needs to beat someone this weekend, so like okay. it's a really, really far outside chance. I think I don't remember who Kansas plays, but um, it's like a very other. Otherwise, like four things need to happen for them to make it. Otherwise, it's TCU and Oklahoma. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, even if TCU beats Oklahoma, say in that theoretical championship game, I still don't necessarily know if they get in. I mean, their best wins they beat Oklahoma State, they beat West Virginia. Um. They beat a down Arkansas. Um, That's a good question, though. I mean, that's I, I think that if TCU would beat Oklahoma in that game, I think that would kind of be like a, a doomsday scenario for the Big 12 because they could get shut out. But I think that if Oklahoma runs the table the rest of the way, I think that they probably sneak in.
2: Um, Yeah, but, I think if Oklahoma wins out there, they're probably in too. Maybe at like, do you think they go in at like three? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I'm, I'm don't understand why they're not at two right now. I, I don't, I can't fathom why Clemson is at two above Oklahoma with the, with the loss it, Clemson has and the you know the the wins that Oklahoma has on their resume with uh, you know Ohio State, TCU, Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I don't know how you really what more they're supposed to do. I think, I mean,
1: this is just my personal opinion. I think that. Clemson still gets a lot of credit from it's kind of like a recency bias thing. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're the defending national champions. Um, You know, they lost a ton of, they lost a ton obviously from last year, but I think that, I think that that really does play a pretty big part in this. And now that it's human based, it's not computer based. So um, I'm not disagreeing that Oklahoma should be ahead of Clemson, but I personally think that's why now, whether that changes or not, you know, Clemson still has a way to go too. So I mean they have a tough game this week. Then you know they'll have to beat Miami. So nothing is nothing is assured for them either. Um, but yeah, I, it would be interesting. Like we always talk about chaos. If you want chaos, then root for TCU to beat Oklahoma and see what happens because I think it could get interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: we almost had some chaos on our hands in the Pac-12 this week. Uh, USC narrowly defeated. Uh, UCLA twenty eight to twenty three, um, kind of a battle of the QB ones, if you will. Uh, re- Josh Rosen was thirty two for fifty two, four hundred twenty one yards, three touchdowns, one interceptions. Darnold was seventeen for twenty eight, two hundred sixty four yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Um, basically, a standard game for both of them. Nothing really out of character uh, in terms of rushing. Josh Rosen was uh, sacked five times. Sam Darnold had a rushing touchdown, so kind of par for the course with them. Um, I, I think in, in terms of what the NFL is looking for, it's going to be more do you want a guy that can, you know, stay in the pocket, be your prototypical dropback passer, or have a guy um, like Darnold who can do that not as well as Rosen, but can also, you know, extend the play a little bit more with his legs? Um, probably have a little bit more of a uh, higher upside, too. I saw, I think it was Bucky Brooks. Uh, Said it, um, Josh Rosen. In terms of making a basketball comparison, Josh Rosen is like a shooter. Sam Darnold is a scorer. <laughs> you can develop a scorer into a shooter, but you can't develop a shooter into a scorer. So I kind of like I kind of like that analogy because Darnold clearly has the traits, uh, but he just has to put it all together. Rosen, while while he has the traits, he doesn't have that little added, uh, you know, bonus that Darnold can provide with his legs and kind of, uh, I guess, his creative ability, so to speak. Um, Kind of outside of that, um, Ronald Jones looked good for USC, kind of carried the load with 28 carries. I was excited to see Stephen Carr get involved in the passing game. He had two, uh, decently wrong receptions where he looked pretty explosive. So encouraging for next year for him, especially if Darnold comes back, I think that, uh, will help open up the run game for him a lot. And, uh, Jordan Lasley for UCLA had 204 yards and three touchdowns. Also had a kind of crazy bobbling catch. I believe that was him, uh, Kind of bounced off him and two USC defenders, and he ended up uh, catching it for like a fifty-yard touchdown. Um, so this game was this game was pretty entertaining. Uh, I caught a little bit of it um, overall. Kind of a par for the course game, what you'd expect. And uh, I guess side note from this: uh, UCLA is now five and six. Jim Mora turned fifty-six today, and Jim Mora also got fired today. So UCLA is now in uh, in in uh, need of a new coach. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Talk about serendipity, right? All the things line up for for the day that you get fired. Wow. Um, Couldn't have wrote that any better. Uh, (laughs) I was actually kind of surprised that, uh, you know, when I was looking at this box score, um, I did notice that both teams combined for 23 penalties for 215 yards. There were only three turnovers, but the reason I brought that up is because I'm actually kind of surprised USC only scored 28 points in this game. It's only the fourth time all season that UCLA has held an opponent under 30 points. Um, and, you know, you could you could make a pretty easy argument that this was probably the most talented offense they faced. Now, that obviously doesn't mean much moving forward, but it's just kind of something that stuck out to me. Um, and that was kind of interesting point that you brought up, um, or that you referenced about Rosen and Darnold, because I... I've really struggled with these two, kind of trying to figure out where, you know, Darnold, if Darnold comes back, because he hasn't, he he hasn't yet decided whether or not he's going to declare, at least that's what I've heard. And I've heard that he's probably leaning towards staying. Now, who knows if that actually happens? I have no idea. But, you know, assuming if they came out the same time, I really would have a hard time trying to parse them apart because it's, it's just a really difficult thing. And I think it probably comes down to a lot of, you know, Rosen is still really young, which I think it, it doesn't necessarily get lost in his evaluation, but I think that it's important to keep bringing up because he's a, he's a young uh, prospect for his class. Um, and Darnold obviously is young as well. But, um, you know, this was a good chance for them to kind of go head-to-head, square off. Uh, I would, you know, I would say that Rosen probably had the better game um, but that doesn't necessarily mean much going forward at projecting to the NFL. But, uh, yeah, I, that kind of just like blew my mind whenever you were breaking down Rosen and Darnold as shooters and scores. Um, that's like one of those like you're when your brain, you know, your brain blows up. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, this is always a pretty this is a rivalry game regardless of what the records are. It's always a big game for the for everyone out in California. So, uh, good win for Southern Cal. They're ten and two, um, kind of, you know, obviously not hitting the the peak that they the, they thought they would hit, and a lot of people thought they would hit preseason. But um, you know, it's always good to get to ten wins, and they'll move forward from here.
2: Yeah, they'll have a bye before they play Stanford in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, I believe. Um, One thing with UCLA, I know people were floating Chip Kelly going there. I don't know if you saw, I was just kind of checking around on Twitter before, and it seemed like Chip Kelly to Florida is almost finalized. Um, I don't know if you you saw anything about that, but I haven't seen anything official, but... I think if that is the case, I think that's a pretty home run hire for them. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think him with all that speed they have down there and how he's been able to kind of recruit nationally from Oregon, I think that's a good fit for them, at least to try to get the offense going off that um, you know, mundane mundane pace they had. Just kind of a sidebar if we want to talk about that for a minute. Not really related to either team, but
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I did actually see something on Twitter, I think it was actually last week, it was a while ago, that they Someone I can't remember who it was. Someone said that it was a done deal, and then you know the the replies to that were like source this, source this, source this. Was so it I, Benjamin Albright? I honestly cannot remember. It was, I think it it was a name that I didn't recognize that I didn't follow. I think it might have been retweeted by someone, but um, yeah. As far as Chip Kelly to Florida, I you know they've been looking for an influx of offense for a while now from before Jim McElwain even got there. That was what he was brought there to do. And, you know, that obviously did not work out. So, you know, I'm all about Florida being fun again. And if that takes, you know, if that takes a Chip Kelly hire, then I'm all about it. I, you know, I think that he is a good coach and I think it's a really good point that you brought up about the way that he was able to recruit to Eugene, Oregon, which is, you know, typically not a, a home run destination for highly recruited or highly touted prospects coming out of high school. And it'll just be way easier for him in Florida with that talent base right in his backyard. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that if it actually comes to pass.
2: Yeah. It might not, might not have happened yet, but what I did see was I saw a bunch of people tweeting that there was a, a Florida private jet landed in New Hampshire, (laughs) took back off to, uh, Tallahassee or not Tallahassee, excuse me, Gainesville. Um, and apparently a trustee, somebody who said there was a board of trustees, like, son said it was a done deal, and all the Florida players tweeted out the, I'll try to describe an emoji over airwaves, I don't know how this works, but, like, the, the face you make when you're, like, questioning something, uh, where, like, you have oh, like, scratching the, your chin, kind of. Yeah, the,
1: the gun on the chin, like, the, the finger on yeah, the chin. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like, about 10 of them tweeted that out within a two-minute span of each other, so either they know, either there was a ultimate troll job by them <laughs> with all this going on at once, or, uh, they know something we don't, but I think that'd be a great hire for them. I'm, I'm um, here
1: for the private jet watch. That's, I just want to put that on record. i I love the private yeah, jet for watch.
2: Sure. Um, another coach that kind of took a little bit of time off before getting a, a marquee job is urban Meyer. <laughs> urban Meyer was able to roll this weekend, 52 to 14 over Illinois. Um, Ohio state's been able to bounce back nicely since that loss to Iowa two weeks ago. Um, Mike Weber had his second straight 100-yard game. He had two touchdowns. Um, kind of a really balanced rushing attack for Ohio State this game. Uh, he had 11 carries. Dobbins had 12 carries. Antonio Williams had uh, 19 carries, mainly because of the blowout. He doesn't get to play much. I'm glad he got some playing time. Um, Benjamin Victor had two touchdowns for them. Um, other than that, I guess Ohio State's defense is is good. I mean, I know they're playing Illinois, but they only gave up 16 passing yards. Um you don't see that a lot. So that that was pretty impressive. Um, I, uh, yeah. I mean that, that's really my takeaway from this game is that I guess Ohio State's back, so to speak, <laughs> after two weeks. Ohio State's back. Um I think they're I think they're certainly a, a worthy challenger for Wisconsin in that title game. That that's a game I'm gonna be excited to see. Um, especially if Jonathan Taylor can run the ball on that defense. That's gonna be huge for his Heisman campaign. Um, which is, you know, not Wisconsin's main focus obviously but it's something that we've been talking about all year um yeah I think Ohio State has a very far outside shot at the playoffs still um stuff kind of needs to go haywire but you know that can easily happen so mostly I think this is a, a talented team that kind of just has to put it all together and be consistent from game to game which they've shown they can do um as long as they can do that in big games I think they're a team that can p- compete with anybody um in the country so
1: yeah ohio state kind of gives you whiplash um i like how you just said they're back when when they were they were gone after that iowa game now they're back but that's just kind of i agree with you man like it's it's just it's hard to really get a feel and like you said this is illinois who is a two and nine team so it's kind of hard to take too much away from this because this game was likely never to be close but um yeah you know their running game continues to be pretty balanced, like you said, and they have a bunch of guys that can carry the ball. Uh, you you kind of you touched on Illinois' passing game. Chase Crouch was four for fourteen for sixteen yards, uh, thirty eight point two passer rating. So a day to day to forget for him um, this is a tough. You know this is a tough ask for an Illinois team to go into the horseshoe and compete against Ohio State. But uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you didn't mention your boy Dwayne Haskins who went five for eight for 77 yards in the touchdown clearly ups, up up the incumbent JT Barrett uh vindicating your your take from a couple weeks ago uh, <laughs> but maybe just a glimpse you know a short glimpse to the future for what what could be for Ohio State next season As, you know we're, we're all assuming Haskins will be the guy um but yeah I just wanted to throw that in there too.
2: Yeah, I think he certainly, uh, you know, proved in this game that he was uh, the better quarterback <laughs> between him and JT Barrett, if not the best quarterback in the entire country. So, um, no, but I'm glad to see he got some run. Um, it is encouraging for next year. And, and before we get on to our uh, previews, I just want to give a shout out. Stayed up late to uh, watch 2-9 and nine, uh, Nevada and 9-2 and San Diego State last night. It was in the semifinals of my uh, college fantasy football league, and Rashad Penny gave me a heart attack. I was up by 50 50- going against him, he had 222 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a punt return <laughs> touchdown, and a kick return what? touchdown. And I almost <laughs> lost. I, 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 I checked the score before I go to bed, and I'm like, okay, let's see how Rashad Penny's doing. Oh, my he, God. And the the other game, um, the other guy was up by, like, five points, and he was starting someone named McLean Mannix, a, a receiver for uh, Nevada, who had five catches for 19 wow. yards. Well. And he lost by one point five points. So Mister Mister McLean Mr. needed about ten more ten more yards than a catch, and he would have been good. Well, Rashad
1: Penny clearly has a vendetta against you because that is a monster game. Wow.
2: Yeah, I was a little, got a little Ooh. scared there late night, but uh, so but uh, yeah, he certainly had a good game. Uh, we haven't talked about him in a while. Just kind of wanted to give him a shout out. Um, Also want to give a quick shout out to draft. Who's one of our sponsors this week. Uh, If you love fantasy football, you'll need to try our new favorite app, which is draft. Uh, All you have to do is you do a draft and it lasts for just one week. There's no management. All you have to do is you set the lineup or, You just do the drafts, and then you forget about it. Um, Once you're done drafting, there's no trades, no waiver wires. Uh, They take care of last-minute injuries for you. It's like a best ball-type format. Um, You can start uh, start a draft right now if you want. Uh, They start from just $1, so there's a draft for everybody. There's no salary caps. You get to do a real-life snake draft, draft, just like you do with your friends in your home league. Um, You can... uh, come join draft today with us. If you download the app or you can search, you can search draft draft in the app store, uh, or go to playdraft.com. And for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft. When, when you make your first deposit, all you have to do is use the promo code RV radio. Uh, so you get to play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RV radio on your first deposit. So search draft in the app store, go to playdraft.com and get that free entry with promo code RV radio. Um, so the, the marquee matchup this week is the, uh, the Iron Bowl with Alabama traveling to Auburn. Uh, Auburn is a four-point underdog at home. Uh, I think this might end up being the game of the year. Um, it's essentially a de facto play-in game for the SEC title game. Um, Auburn coming off a big win two weeks ago against Georgia. Um, their run defense has looked solid. They've been picking up steam uh, just kind of in general offensively ever since that Clemson loss uh, when they gave up 10 sacks. That offensive line might be the most improved uh, unit in college football. Um, Alabama's dealing with a good amount of injuries as well. Um, The defense is a little shaken up. Um, It's kind of going to come down, I think, uh, to can Jared Stidham and the Auburn passing attack get through that uh, vaunted Alabama secondary. Um, It's the best in the country, I would say, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Avery Avery Averett um, at corner. Those, those two really lock you down. Auburn doesn't have a dynamic uh, receiving option either. They have a lot of tall, athletic guys, but none that really, uh, you know, stand out above the rest. Um, on Johnson is the, you know, only not only healthy running back left, but uh, you know, with Cameron Pedaway getting hurt earlier in the season, he's kind of been their go-to guy. Um, I think. If Alabama is kind of able to control the clock a lot, just kind of pound Damian Harris, Scarborough, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, Brian Robinson, all those guys, um, and then allow Jalen Hurts to, um, you know, get a couple deep passes into Calvin Ridley um, and, you know, force Stidham to make mistakes, they'll win this game pretty handily. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen because, as we saw, um, you know, Auburn was able to control. Georgia, who I I would think probably has more talented running backs, at least, than Auburn, or Alabama, excuse me. Um, They might not have the better offensive line, but they do have the better uh, running backs. I think the difference in this game might also end up being uh, Jalen Hurts' legs with a guy like Jake Fromm. Uh, You know, he drops back to pass. There's no one one there. He can't scramble for it. Hurts can extend the play and scramble for it. Um, I am going to take Alabama plus four. I think they'll probably win by about a touchdown. think it's going to be a close game, certainly an entertaining game to watch. But, man, Auburn wins this game. Um, there's no denying they're they're one of the um, you know top teams in the country, probably top two to three teams in the country, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that Auburn is one of the hottest teams in college football right now. Um, both teams kind of had not a bye week, but a de facto bye week last week. Um, Louisiana Monroe did cover for my upset pick from last week barely uh i think think i had a push yeah (laughs) so we're we're getting somewhere yeah not, not quite there yet we're making we're making moves but uh yeah alabama beat up on mercer which we you know everyone probably saw coming um auburn ended up handling louisiana monroe so both teams are kind of coming off easy wins um you know both teams will obviously be up for this game it's a rivalry game one of the biggest ones of the year like you said um you know, I I've kind of on paper to me, Alabama is is should be a better team than Auburn, should be better than four points better than Auburn. Um, but being that it's at Jordan Hare, um, you know, rivalry game, both teams were up. I could see this game coming down to a field goal. And and the reason why I'm gonna take Auburn is because I think that it actually does end up a three-point game and at plus four. I'm going to take those points at home. I think this, you know, it, it was a good point that you made about Alabama's injuries, especially at the linebacker position, because I think that Gus Malzahn, you know, while his coaching can be up and down at times, I think that he is a good, smart offensive offensive coach, and I think that he'll recognize that. Um, you know, that weakness in the linebacking core. And I think he'll probably call plays to kind of stretch, 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 then hit up the middle, stretch, hit up the middle. I think he can probably alternate those to take advantage. I don't necessarily know if Auburn wins this game, but I think that it's probably a a field goal game coming down. Not a great conviction here, but, you know, when in doubt, I usually take the home team getting points. So I'll go Auburn plus four here.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Another big rivalry game. Uh, Had a little bit more up north a little bit more to the west uh you'll have the apple cup with washington and washington state washington is at home they're nine and a half point favorite um they were able to sneak one out against utah last night uh, i was able to catch a good amount of that game kyle whittingham called like, a weird timeout at the end of the game washington would kick field goal time expired um other highlights from that game was jake browning got annihilated uh on a, a run, I don't know what he was thinking. He should have slid. He tried to hurdle a defender and he got spun around on the air. And if he had landed the wrong way, it could have been really bad. Um, but lucky for him, he was able to uh, he was to survive that hit. Um, Washington's defense the past couple games uh, has have given up points to some not so great offenses like Utah. Um, he gave gave thirty points to Utah, twenty two to Stanford, or thirty to Stanford. Excuse me, twenty three to UCLA. Um, so. Uh, that's supposed to be the strength of their team, and it's kind of floundering a little bit lately. Um, Washington State, save for that weird game against uh, Cal and a couple big plays against Khalil Tate, has been uh, pretty solid this year. Um, I, I like what I've seen from Washington State as a team this year. Um, I haven't been impressed with Luke Falk, but um, you know, last year coming into this game, I know game day was there. Luke Falk was getting a lot of hype. I, I wasn't buying it. I thought Washington was legit. But I, I think this year, the it's kind of flipped a bit for me this year. I think Washington is kind of a little bit, uh you know, too much of a favorite in this game. They've been faltering lately, like I said. Um, I'm going to take Washington State plus 9.5. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily win the game, but I do think they they have a good shot to cover that spread. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be able to put up points against Washington. And I want, I want to make sure Washington can actually handle a shootout against them.
1: Yeah. I like that pick. Um, nine and a half does kind of feel a little bit big for the spread you hit on Washington's defense, kind of falling apart here down the stretch, you know, against teams that shouldn't necessarily score that many points against the top defense. Um, Washington state does rank 114th in the country in preventing big plays, which could open up some opportunity for Dante Pettis, who is an extremely good down the field uh, wide receiver. Um, But I kind of agree with you. I think that Washington probably does win this game, but I think that it probably is within the nine and a half spread. So I'm also going to take the Cougars plus nine and a half. Um, But I think that Washington probably still wins this game,
2: but probably don't cover. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Next, we're going to preview the game. Uh, Ohio State's traveling to Michigan, where Michigan's an 11-point home underdog. They'll be looking to get revenge after last year's game. where um, They lost, and they probably uh, they would have gone on to the Big Ten Championship had they won. However, um, John O'Corn will most likely be starting in this game, um, and I don't think that bodes very well for Michigan at all. Uh, if he does start, I would expect this line to continue to move down. Um, they, just that offense with, with O'Corn is, is, is very uh, – I don't even know how to put it into words. I don't know how they'll be able to put up any points really against this Ohio State defense like we were talking about before. Um, we gave up just 14 passing yards last week. Um, I think as long as Ohio State's offense can um, – know function as long as we get semi-competent JT Barrett we don't have to as long as we don't get the JT Barrett that I hate uh you know I think they'll be fine the rushing attack um you know is, is capable of uh, carrying the team for the most part and if Barrett can hit on one or two big plays I think they could kind of blow blow the doors off Michigan um so I kind of like uh kind of like I said before, I'm surprised at this line a little bit. I'm going to take Ohio State uh, minus 11. I'm surprised it's not a, a little bit higher with the way uh, Michigan's offense has looked lately.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because I'm pretty sure that this line actually opened up a little bit bigger. No, I'm, uh, no, I'm corrected. Uh, it was minus 10. It's now crept up to minus 11. So 68% of the bets are on Ohio State. They're kind of thinking the same way you are thinking. Um And I tend to agree. You know, we talked um, earlier in the pod about Brandon Peters being knocked out, John O'Korn looking pretty terrible in in his stead. And, you know, Ohio State's defense is – well, I guess you can't necessarily say they're better than Wisconsin's defense, but they're at least in the same realm. Um, I think that Michigan will likely struggle to move the ball here. And, you know, I think that they could – you know, being – I hate to hate to lean on home field advantage, but I think that there is legit home field advantage in this game, especially seeing who the opponent is. But I think that Ohio State can probably cause havoc in the backfield when Michigan does drop back to pass Um, Michigan uh, before before this week was added in Michigan ranked 121st in adjusted sack rate which is really, really, really bad. So I think that Ohio State has the personnel to be able to get into the backfield to cause problems for O'Korn, if it is him who actually gets the start. I just I just have a hard time seeing how Michigan scores many points in this game. Um, you know, their defense is good. I don't think Ohio State's going to go wild here, but I could see them pretty easily covering the spread. So I will go against my general better judgment and I
2: will lay the points with the road team here. Mm-hmm um so believe it or not the holidays are just around the corner and while that means plenty of parties gifts and spending it also means a lot of football basketball and hockey games that you could score big on every day uh man up and play the play like the pros on game day you can play the money line side or total and my bookie is your hook for all your betting needs uh they offer super fast payouts when you win so if you uh, are looking to bet head on over to my bookie they're the only site we'd recommend they have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your phone uh Wagering on your phone a breeze. Um, They have the industry-leading payouts like we've talked about before. They're super fast. So if you want to join MyBookie now, they'll match your deposit with a 50% bonus. If you enter our promo code ROTOCFB, visit MyBookie.ag today to kind of uh, take advantage of that opportunity. So like I said, enter promo code ROTOCFB when you go sign up on MyBookie and you'll get a 50% bonus. Um, One game you might be looking to bet on this weekend is Notre Dame Traveling to Stanford. Stanford's a two and a half point underdog at home. This is a this is a game that I think is two really balanced teams, really similar teams. Um, they both run the ball a ton, have solid defenses, uh, and kind of only pass when they have to. Um, I think uh, the difference with the two teams is that Notre Dame probably has a much more talented passing attack than Stanford, um, even though they probably. Um, you know, might not have shown this year um, in terms of their receivers. Wimbush has been solid, um, like we've talked about for Notre Dame. He's got 14 touchdowns, four interceptions this year. Um, KJ Costello for Stanford is their leading passer, 993 yards. Um, so not very encouraging there. Um, I think this is fair to say it's Price Love's biggest test this year. So that's going to be a storyline uh, for this game. He's at 1,700 yards right now. If he's able to get, uh, you know, get to the Pac-12 championship game, which I'm almost positive they've clinched their spot. Um, With three games left, he he needs 300 yards to break 2,000, which should be almost a lock. Um, If he could get up to, you know, 2,100, 2,200, um, I I think that would be really impressive, Um, you know, counting the bowl game, obviously. Um, Notre Dame struggled this week against Navy. He had to score late in the fourth quarter to come back and win. Um, Stanford also only squeaked by Cal by three points this week. Um, I, I'm really uh, uncertain on who to take in this game, if only because um, of Bryce Love. I, I think Notre Dame is the more talented team on the defensive side of the ball. Um, like I said, I think they have the better quarterback, but Bryce Love is just such an X factor that I think he could really swing the game with a big play. Um I am going to take Notre Dame, um, minus two and a half. I think they'll probably end up winning the game. But like I said, Bryce Love breaks one or two, um, and the game could be uh, Stanford's to have.
1: Yeah, we're we're vibing because it uh, pretty much laid out exactly my thoughts. Um, I thought you hit, on, hit it pretty square on the head there whenever you were talking about how these two teams are kind of mirror images, and automatically my, my mind went right to the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other meme. Um, (laughs) because you're exactly right. Like neither team can really throw the ball very well. Both teams really rely on their running game, and both have above-average defenses. And that's pretty much why I think this game is so close to a pick 'em. Um, You know, because you generally add in two and a half, three points um, for home field advantage. So, I mean, I guess they think that Notre Dame is a bit better than Stanford, which is probably a fair assumption. But this is a really tough one too. I don't have a great feel. Um, for a side to take here, but I think I'm, uh, and you, and, and Bryce Love being the X factor is completely true as well. He's, he's the one guy on that team that can completely swing this game out of whack, make everyone look dumb. Um, but I think, I think I'm also going to take Notre Dame, but I'm really hesitant on this game. Probably one that I would certainly lay off in real life and just kind of watch and see what happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the last game we're going to talk about for this week is one you kind of touched briefly on before um, Clemson is traveling to South Carolina He's a 14 point underdog at home uh, South Carolina 8-3 this year so much improved um, not enough to win the SEC East they were they were my my prediction that was they were my team this year to come out of the SEC East they're going to finish second to Georgia which is respectable um, And but I, I've been uh, kind of happy with how they've progressed this year. Um, the As a team, their their offense is still, um, it, it's solid. Jake Bentley, I think, is underrated, but he still has a lot of work to do. Um, 15 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. kind of uh, need to pick up the pace a little more in terms of his passing numbers, I think, to become an NFL quarterback. Um, Brian Edwards, also a little bit of a down year. I know a lot of people were high on him coming into the year. Um, just 12 yards per reception, only three touchdowns. Um, I think if Debo Samuel gets hurt too, this is probably a little, uh, doesn't get hurt. This is probably a little bit of a different team. Um, and with Clemson, um, kind of what we've been talking about all year with them um, is that defense uh, that's going to power them. If they can break a couple big plays with uh, Tavion Feaster or Travis uh, Etienne in the run game, they'll be good. It'll allow uh, Kelly Bryant to, you know, still operate with his legs then and also open up a, a big play in the passing game for them. Um 14, I think, is an appropriate line for this game. It is at South Carolina, a night game. Um, this is kind of going to be their Super Bowl. Um, they played Georgia close a couple weeks ago. It was 24-10. to 10. So that's kind of a similar team, I think, to what Clemson is. Um, I- I'm, I- I'm torn on this game on who to take uh, with the spread. I'm probably going to take Clemson. And I'm going to take South Carolina, um, plus 14. Clemson has played a couple of close games in the past few weeks. Um, you know, they narrowly defeated Florida State. It was 31-14, to 14, but it, it was close right into the fourth quarter. Um, they, they barely knocked off NC State um, close against Georgia Tech the week before and lost to Syracuse the week before. So um, I, I will take South Carolina with the points. I think Clemson, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to pull it out, as they always do. But um, I, th- I think Clemson will probably end up winning this game by about 10 points. But You know, an eight to nine one season for a South Carolina team is is something they should be pretty proud of. I think
1: there was a reason why I put this game on the sheet because I had a feeling that it might put you in a bit of a pretzel because I know that you really like South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about Clemson just about every week about how you can't bet against them because they're Clemson. And I just had a feeling that this would be a good test to see where you stood. Um and and I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you as well. I think that 14 is a fair number for this game on paper. Um, I think that, like you said, you hit on Jake Bentley, who I I actually I actually really liked preseason, and I still do like him long term. But like you said, I think he does still have some work to do um, progressing before he heads you know to the NFL in in all likelihood. Um, Kelly Bryant. I think still has a little bit of ways to go as well. Um, even just talking about like the rest of the games this season, because I think that they need a little bit more balance on offense. Um, if they can get that passing game clicking to go along with the running game, you know, this is a really dangerous team. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat with you. I think that this number is pretty close to what the final score is likely to be. But I'm going to stick to my rule, and I'm going to go with Clemson. I'm going to lay the points on the road, which is always dangerous, but I just have a hard time betting against Clemson. They've, I've been burned two or three times this season already, so I'm just going to roll with Clemson um, and you know, take my chances,
2: see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to do it for our picks this week. Um, this is a really good slate of games. It's the last week of the regular season for college football. Um, kind of sad. But we do have bowl games left. Uh, we do have conference championship games left. We do have the playoff left. So a lot more football in store. But this is kind of a make-or-break week, um, like we kind of touched on. And it, excuse me, uh, if you want to uh, get to your upset pick quick with yours, uh, I think this is a pretty interesting game, and I think we're also going to be seeing a, a rematch for this game next week, if I if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. So whenever I was scrolling through the uh, the lines before the pod. Um, this one kind of stuck out to me for one main reason. And that is um, kind of basing this off of S and P plus um, from, from Bill Conley SB nation. Um, His model has really, really liked Fresno state this year. He has them in the top 30, I believe in the country in S and P plus overall. I love Boise state. I've always kind of been partial to them, you know, for years and years and years, watching football, I've always rooted for them. Um, It's kind of like a distant fan, but I think that at home, Fresno State getting seven um, is a pretty good spot. And I think that Fresno State could actually win this game outright. Um, I'm prepared to be completely wrong on this pick because I know that Boise State can turn it on at times. But I think Fresno State has kind of been sneaky good this year. And I I think that this, this feels like a pretty good spot, especially at home getting seven.
2: So I'll go Fresno State there. Yeah, um, I like that one. I think that's going to be a good game. Um, one that I'm actually you know, pretty excited to watch. Um, they really bounced back this year, I think. I don't remember who they hired as their coach, but uh, they got a new coach. It might have been, been Jeff Tedford. Jeff Tedford, yeah. It was Jeff mm-hmm. Tedford, yeah. Okay. Um, when I was going through, two games right next to each other stuck out for me. Um, I, I was thinking about taking Vanderbilt plus one against Tennessee, and then I was just like, that game is just too <laughs> ugly to even think about. Uh, it's kind of, I guess it's Ooh. the Tennessee Bowl yeah, if you want, yeah. but uh, someone's gonna get their first SEC win, uh, so that's <laughs> something. Um, the game right below it, I I got a bet bet on America's team. Um, Iowa State is plus two and a half against Kansas State. Um, and kind of the same thing you said. Um, Iowa State's ranked fortieth in S and P plus. Kansas State is ranked sixty nine. Um, I know they knocked off Oklahoma State this week. Um, and the game is in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, but. I think Iowa State's just the more talented team overall. I think they have a better defense, um, and, and the offense, uh, obviously they have a, you know weapons like David Montgomery and Alan Lazard. Um, I don't think uh, Byron Pringle and Skylar Thompson are those kind of weapons for Kansas State, even though we touched on them briefly before. Um, I don't think they're kind of the same uh, talent level as those two. So I'm going to take Iowa State to finish out the regular season with a win, uh, keep whatever very, very slim hopes they have, alive um i am seeing kyle kemp is doubtful for the game so maybe we'll get joel lanning oh. going both ways <laughs> that'd be ideal i don't remember exactly what the guy's name was that we uh touched on last week that had the funky name his name started with a z or something um if he starts I guess i understand why uh you know iowa state's an underdog but it, you know they call it an upset pick for a reason i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with the team i like so iowa state plus two and a half to finish out the regular season
1: yeah, that makes sense. I think that this might be a little bit of an overreaction to the result from last from last week, Kansas State um, beating Oklahoma State. But yeah, that's the quarterback situation is definitely something to keep an eye on if the
2: listeners are looking
1: to bet that game. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that's going to do it for us for this week of the uh, college football show. Um, last week of the regular season, make sure to get all your uh, college football watching in this week. Um, last kind of full slate of games for Saturday. So um, enjoyed, enjoyed breaking down each Saturday with you, with all you guys. Um, hope you guys keep on listening, and have a great week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us at email at Radio at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the podcast.
3: Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California.